0: Episode number two of the Horny Deer Sense Podcast. I'm uh, I'm pretty excited about this one. The guest for this episode is a guy by the name of Zach Griffith who lives out in Utah. And Zach, just uh, just to set the stage for Zach, he's national pro staff for Hoyt Mountain Ops, F bomb, loophole, first light. Those are just to name a few. He uh, he hasn't accepted yet, but <laughs> he's got a standing offer. To, uh, to be on the National Pro Staff for Horned Deer Sense. I'll let you know how that one turns out. But Zach, uh, I was a fan before speaking with him, but after speaking with him, even more so. And I-, I think you get a glimpse into what has propelled him to where he's at. And that's just, he's incredibly real. And I think that's pretty rare these days, um, particularly when you have the type of following and platform that he has. So, I hope you enjoy the podcast. I certainly enjoyed speaking with him. Welcome to the Horny Deer Sense Podcast. I'm your host, founder of Horny Deer Sense, Scott Pratt. In this podcast, we connect with personalities across the outdoors, sharing hunting tips, reliving old hunting memories, and discussing life in general. Our goal as a podcast and as a company is to bring new hunters into this great lifestyle and to help keep the ones that we've got. So settle in, hang out with us for a little while on the Horny Deer Sense Podcast. Zach Griffith, welcome to the house of Horny, brother.
1: (laughs) Thanks for having me on.
0: Uh, I appreciate you you coming on. Uh, it was kind of a, a long shot when I sent you a message to even come on. Uh, you know, at the time, we didn't have an episode out there yet. And, uh, you know, I really didn't know what the response was going to be. But when you come back and said that you would do it, I was like, oh, hell yeah. The, you know, we connected on the Hail Mary. So I really appreciate you taking some time.
1: Not at all, man. No problem at all. I, you got to get your start somewhere. And I appreciate the opportunity to spit some game with you so well
0: what the interesting part of it is uh, and you know i'm sure as the podcast goes on i'll divulge more and more information about myself but i was kind of in one of those ruts you know i was working uh in it for the last 10 years and just going out of my mind staring at a computer all day uh, so you know start looking at ways to change that and come up with you know the horny deer sense angle. Well, just as I was going live with that, I was in San Diego uh, with, you know, the tech company that I was working with and I had just ridiculous jet lag. I couldn't sleep. It was brutal. And uh, I would just lay there until the day, you know, the work day would start. Well, I started following people on Instagram, just trying to get an idea of the approach that we needed to take to grow. And I stumbled on your account. So I'm sitting okay. there like five o'clock in the morning and all of a sudden I see Zach Griffith has a live video. And that was, that was my introduction to you was on the treadmill, you know, something that you do every morning. And I just thought that was really cool how you related to everybody and how, uh, I think more than anything, just the positivity that's wrapped in everything that you do.
1: I appreciate it, man. Yeah. the Cardio is really monotonous and I've always done it and uh, just from just from training, I used to do, you know, competitions and stuff. So cardio is just how you lean up, but it's also great for, you know, your mind, your psyche, um, you know, everything, lung, heart health, everything. There's just not a downside to it. What better way to get your day going than just to get up and get cranking bright and early. So I'm usually really in a good mood. My, my mind's clear. My phone's not ringing. My emails aren't coming in yet. So at four or 5 a.m., I just feel like that's the time to just get the day started. It's just a habit of mine. I've been doing it for years. And so getting on live is just a good way to kind of pass the time, especially when I'm sharp mentally and and I'm up, you know, like anyone, I I hit the drags and the low spots in the day as well. And I mean, if I was to do a live um, video, you know, at three or four in the afternoon, it probably wouldn't be nearly as, as sharp and entertaining, but in the mornings I'm just laser. So it's been really cool. And I did it for uh, about a year. Um, and then COVID hit and all that nonsense. So I wasn't, I I got a big mountain in my backyard and I was just climbing the hill every morning, but I didn't have any reception and it was pitch black outside. So going live wasn't an option. So then when the gym opened back up, I jumped back on. So it took a little break there, but there was a lot of momentum back when you started. I remember we were on there and it was just, it was fun as hell because there was just a pile of guys. Everyone was consistent. And you know, the bottom line is, I'm doing cardio but I'm not promoting everyone doing cardio together it, was, it wasn't like a group fitness program it was just like hey I'm here let's pass in know let's bullshit a little bit um, just you know share like you said share some positivity laugh about life and uh, just get the day going right you know that's what I've, I've always uh, looked at it as a, just a, a way to start your day off right you know.
0: Yeah. Well, and seeing that I was just at that point, I wasn't, you know, just really familiar with everything that you do and everything that you've done. Uh, when we scheduled the podcast, I really dove deep into your YouTube videos and, uh, I'll be honest, Zach, I felt a lot of things, you know, watching your videos, but probably most I felt just really, really lazy. (laughs) (laughs) Now the work, (laughs) The work that you guys put in out there in the West, holy crap, dude. Like, uh, you whitetail hunting out here in Georgia, don't get me wrong. I, I work for it. But when I, when I was watching, you know, just what you had to do to be successful out there, then, you know, the, the fitness piece really connected with me, it was like, this guy can't do what he does if he doesn't have this discipline to do this every morning.
1: Yeah, I uh, first of all, just so you know, from my side of the the, planet, the country, I look back at you guys, and I'm impressed by your patience, just to be able to hang stands and sit in them morning till night. I watched that uh, Seek One channel on YouTube, those yeah. boys that hunt urban Atlanta, one of my favorite channels, not just because they're awesome at editing, good personalities, really good dudes. I love how they're always referencing God in all of their posts. I'm not super spiritual, but I, I like that they're open and appreciative about that. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And uh, I look at the way they hunt and I'm as baffled as you may be about how I hunt because my hunt's all just brawn. You know, I just burn the mountain, get up there, bust my ass, cover country. If I don't see a deer and never take my bow off my pack, it's never a, never a failure, never a regret because I, I had a good, really good workout in. And my wife teases me about that. She's like, you wouldn't even hunt if you didn't have to hike. And it, Believe it or not, I love to climb mountains, but I don't hike when I'm not hunting, so that's not true. Yeah. I, the creation of looking for those big bucks in that high country and just strapping a headlamp on and burning up the hill at three in the morning, it's just, it's a rush, man. I do it every day by myself. Every time I go up there, I hunt very rarely Hunt with anybody else. Um, I've had some close calls, some bad accidents, uh, but I've had some really, really spiritual introspective, introspection, um, personal growth from that. Um, at the end of the day, like I'm an absolutely terrible hunter and I get shit for it all the time online. You know, if guys like you never kill anything, but the bottom, (laughs) I'm trying to kill the biggest baddest deer in that mountain. And I'm walking by younger deer that most guys would jump on because I want to kill that big buck that I have a history with just like a whitetail. I have trail cameras all over those peaks. I have bait everywhere. I have them on sat camera, so I get pictures texted to me at three in the morning, and I have an intimate relationship with several bucks up there that those are my deer. I don't care about other bucks. I want to kill those two or three deer, and I eat tags all the time, but when I kill a buck, it's a buck that's going on my wall, and there's usually a big history with it, and that's kind of what I've evolved to. Uh, It's less now about just killing stuff. It's way more about um, that conquest, and that's that's why I like to seek one, guys. Again, not to get redundant, but... They just, they, they have these histories with these bucks. They have names for them. They have sheds, they have missed opportunities. And I swear the, the more bow hunting sucks, the sweeter it gets, you know? Absolutely. And that's kind of where I'm at with it. It's more of just the, just the personal growth that comes from it. So.
0: Well, and that reminds me of a quote that you had in one of the videos that I was watching, I actually made a note of it to bring it up. You said the journey is just as important to me as the end harvest. And coming in, you know, with the horny deer sense, obviously, uh, the- it's a funny name, let's, let's be honest. I remember oh, yeah.
1: funny, really funny I when we popped ass. up
0: on your feed that first morning, you were like horny deer, like you got to laugh. And I remember like, I sent it to my brother. I'm like, dude, check him out. Like he literally says something about horny deer sense. yeah uh, I love- But one of the, one of the things that comes with that, you know, it, it really registers with younger hunters and younger people. And one of the things that we really want to do is bring new hunters into the sport and, uh, you know, just the lifestyle in general and to help keep the ones that we've got. So your messaging, I think it's so imperative right now in doing that because you know, with social media and everything else, everybody gets so caught up in, you know, how big the rack is, what are, what are the inches, uh, you should have let him, you know, live another year and all the BS that, you know, is really negative negative. and, you know, recently starting turkey hunting, you know, the last couple of years. I didn't start out killing a turkey, but I got a little taste of what it would feel like to enter the sport and, you know, not have uh, just really anybody leading you into it, you know, and uh, for somebody that's just starting, you know, all you're seeing is posts of people killing deer, you're watching video and people are just slaughtering animals left and right. Well, if you're starting out from scratch and you're going in on public land, how how long are you going to stay into that and have that drive to be successful. If you just feel like you're just an utter failure, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Well, if that's a question, I, 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 it's hard for me to relate because I, I just see big deer and I just can't, I just have to kill him if it's it. I mean, there's, <laughs> yeah. there's nothing stopping me. Even, even my own rationale, like, dude, he's not there. He's not going to be right. there. You're not going to get a shot. I still go up there and climb the hill every morning and my wife get laughs at me or I get crap on Instagram or, I mean, I don't post 90% of the deer I'm after. Cause one, people know where I hunt. I drive a rat truck. It's not hard to track. <laughs> and two, it gets redundant. Hey guys, I didn't kill again today. Yeah. Cool story, dude, come back when you kill something. That's kind of why, I don't know if you've noticed, but I've kind of just kind of pulled back, just tap pumping the brakes on my Instagram and all my YouTube pro- content. I just, I mean, I just, I take it so seriously. It's not fun when I'm not stacking stuff up. And so the, de- the years I'm grinding, I'm almost like, I don't want to post Cause I'm a little bit depressed just because stuff didn't play out the way I feel it should have, because I deserve it. Quote unquote, for sure. Hey, the, the deer doesn't give a damn. If you deserve it, dude, he wants to live just like you want to kill him. So there's no fair play in hunting. It's like, get your ass up there. No excuses. Earn it. If you don't get it, work harder, you know, period. Absolutely. Um, and- yeah, that's, that's kind of where I'm at with it. I just uh, I got tired of posting and getting crap for everything I did, and it's uh.
0: Well, yeah, your video, uh, the art of hating, like oh, the art yeah. of hating video. It's, it's absolutely perfect. You know, if somebody if somebody is just starting in this sport, whether it's whitetail or whatever, you know, if if I see somebody arrow a six point buck, and it's their first buck with a bow. Nothing but high fives, you know. I I don't want to just bring that person down immediately from that high, and you know something that they can grow on. So I thought your video, the art of hating, just really hit the nail on the head.
1: Yeah, it's the problem is all these tough guys, all us alpha boys, we're the biggest bitches on earth. The bottom line, (laughs) I mean, these there's more egos and hurt feelings in hunting. It just blows my mind, dude. I have my I have my opinions about guys that have killed stuff that are good hunters that work their butt off. I feel like as that class of hunter, you should be conservative and kill older age class deer um, and let the babies grow up. But like you said, if you got a first time hunter and he's got a smile ear to ear and he shot a spike, good hell, man. More power to you, dude. Because I shot forkies when I was younger and I was smiling ear to ear. And if someone would have crushed me for that, it would have been just completely out of line and unfair. And I, I try not to repeat that because at the end of the day, we're all at different levels. We're all in different, um, uh, paths. You know, it's like, maybe that guy's feeding his family and it means the world to him. Cause he just saved a couple hundred dollars worth of Walmart beef. to no, feed his kid. Yeah. So just don't try to understand why other people do it. If they're happy, they're doing it right. Do it for your reasons. You know what I mean? Don't be exclusive. Just, just hunt for you and then it shouldn't make a difference what other people kill. Cause at the end of the day, dude, like there's a lot of deer out there. <laughs> They're going to sure. grow more. It's a, it's a re, it's a renewable resource. It re it renews itself every year and someone else killing a deer in a different unit, different state doesn't have any impact on you whatsoever. And we all have our right to hunt for our reasons. So, you know, just let it ride.
0: Well, and it's just like life in general, you know, from just the maturation process and growing up, people are at, at different intervals of where they are in life. Same, same as a hunter, but you yep. have to, you have to build on those blocks. Today's horny story comes from Lucas Berkeley from up in Indianola, Iowa. We met Lucas and his family this past March up at the Iowa Deer Classic. Just just great people, and we couldn't be happier for Lucas. And the buck that he's referencing in this, we posted pictures of it on our Instagram page, and he's, he's an absolute brute, and we couldn't be happier for Lucas. I was heading to my stand on the north fence line when I realized the wind was blowing out of the north. Knowing where the deer would most likely be coming from, I knew the wind would be wrong for that stand, so I opted for another stand to the south. I took out your doe and and drug it on a wick behind me as I walked to the stand. My buck came out of the north fence line and was walking towards the bean field when he stumbled across my drag line. He stopped instantly and started walking the line I had drugged all the way back to my stand and stood at about 19 yards when I harvested him. This buck would have never come my way had it not been for your doe and estrus, He turned on a dime the second he walked over my scent trail. Really, really stoked for Lucas. Uh, Couldn't be happier. These stories, they never get old. If you've got one, we'd love to potentially use it on the podcast. You can send it to info at hornydeersense.com.
1: Inches inches are cool. Inches are really cool on on age, you know. But I have three or four deer in the last five years that I believe would have been 200-inch-plus public land mule deer that I have on trail cameras and I had it 20 yards. And I let them ride because I knew they got to grow. The problem with public land in Utah is everyone else can kill those deer and we're not all on the same page. And so unfortunately I've seen some magazine cover type bucks get shot prematurely. And at the end of the day, I I can't bitch or moan about it because the person that shot it was stoked. Good for them, you know, I I wanted the deer to grow up, but the deer was dumb and made a mistake, and got smoked, you know, so.
0: For sure, yeah, and I think if, more people had that mindset because i mean really right now we should all be you know wanting the sport to grow we should you know we're losing and i think because of the pandemic uh and everything i think more people have gravitated back towards hunting this year and you know maybe um it it peaked in interest you know just at different times in the year when people weren't so sure about food supplies and whatnot uh but that general mindset you know just and that again going back to where we started as far as the positivity that's wrapped literally in everything that you do uh i just think it'd be just really good for the sport in general to take that type of approach
1: well we all have to just manage our own egos and our own you know our own out
0: that's a struggle
1: (laughs) practice the filter a little bit here and there just uh, like you said at the end of the day like why are why are hunters why aren't they unified in every aspect of hunting and you know, it's it's silly. They're we're we're carni- we're uh what's we're cannibalistic within our own little culture, you know. Absolutely. It's why like I said, the, the, the there's more bitches in hunting than on the football field. <laughs> <laughs> the egos and the crybait, the hurt feelings and the just the just the backstabbing. stabbing, it just blows my mind. It's it kind of hurts sometimes because like I just wish we could like all just get along, you know.
0: <laughs> Well, and the thing is you, in your mind, you can see that type of hunting garden of Eden. Like if that were the case, but just human, human nature, I don't think we'll ever get there. I mean, you can no. uh, influence different ones, but there's some people that are just locked in uh, kind of backing up just uh, a little bit, you know, Pulled up your profile. So summit productions is your company summit Uh was in there. You're kind of reading your bio, dude, You sound like Fred bear's nephew or something like reading this. I'm like, if, if it were mine, it would translate to hillbilly from Northwest Georgia and I'm reading yours. I'm like this, he's an absolute beast. Uh, starting out, you know, I see the picture with your dad and the mule deer and stuff here. Can you kind of just take me back to your, where did it start? Kind of just the growth process. It, It seems like you were, you come out of the womb with a bow and arrow, you know, you go to school, uh, broadcast journalism to be able to do what you do now. But it just seems like from the time you exited the wound, you had this laser focus in just being this badass predator.
1: Yeah, my my dad's a my dad's a badass predator, you know. He's the he's the OG, is what I call him from, from where we hunt. He used to do the hikes that I hike with ten thousand dollars worth of gear. He used to do it in his cowboy boots and his Wranglers and
0: Oh, that's insane.
1: He'd have a fanny pack full of snickers bars and he'd go up for two days straight and sleep on his pack you know he just wow. they hunted a lot. um and so when i was little my dad had you know his stories would haunt me they'd keep me up at night he he'd go on those hunts and the day he'd leave I, i'd sit by the window till he came home and i remember he'd uh he'd always you know his buck would be in the bed of the truck and so he'd always leave a horn hanging over the rim of the truck bed so I could see when he pulled in. And I mean, I'm I'm getting emotional about it because when I was little it was just it just shaped my childhood. And when I could start going with him and I'm talking five or six, my dad didn't I mean, just like any old cowboy, he he didn't treat me no favors. He took me up in the nastiest shit you could imagine. I froze my butt off and I cried and learned learned what it's like and I mean, he even killed a deer one time. I remember he gutted it and actually had me put my arms inside of the cavity because my hands and arms were so cold and it actually warmed me up. And I, I mean, it was just like Star Wars when Skywalker climbs into that, his own horse or whatever that thing is. I mean, it's just, my dad just got that cultivation early and lit the fire. And I had pellet guns with rifle scopes on them. And I was out there learning how to dial a turret at seven years old to shoot birds with my gun. And yeah, I just grew up killing stuff, man. We just kill everything we could. And we were very, very conservative. We, we worship nature, man.
0: Like
1: hardcore hunter, like God, there's, I don't, there's, I see a fawn mule deer and I just, I want, I love it. Like one of my own kids, you know, I just love deer. And it seems contradictory to say, I want to kill them too, but I know my role in nature. And I know that role, the deer, the deer's role in nature. And we play a symbiotic relationship and we're both, support each other and we play a role in making sure those deer are there and that they continue to thrive. And we're, we're absolutely stewards uh, over animals and that invaluable resource Uh, where we hunt. I mean, that goes as far as managing habitat, but also taking out predators. We've got mountain lions everywhere. Um, A lot of, a lot of hunters don't even consider the fact to go out and shoot, you know, five, 10 coyotes a year. If you do that, you're saving 30 or 40 mule deer. If you kill cats, you're saving a hundred mule deer. And you just imagine if everyone was doing that. How much more the mule deer would thrive? So, yeah, it's just a it's an all encompassing um, big part of my life, and I'm grateful for my dad for instilling that into me. You know, really early. I, I had it, I had it easy. I was lucky. I feel fortunate because I know a lot of guys later in life try to jump in, and it's got to be a steep climb to go. You know, 25 year old city city boy learning how to bow hunt. It's got to sound like just a nightmare. When I was little, figuring it out. You know, so.
0: now and that's a uh, kind of piggybacking off kind of this the stewards of you know, those different animals it reminded me uh there's a, a book i read called beast of the garden and it was you know about boulder colorado when they stopped all the hunting in around boulder colorado so people love seeing the mule deer and the elk in their yards but then it brought in the mountain lines and you know as a result, people's pets started missing and then it escalated, escalated until a jogger actually got killed by a mountain lion. And, you know, it was, it started with the warm and fuzzy feelings of, you know, let's not kill any of these animals, but we do play an absolute role in balancing that out. And I think that is missed on a lot of people. Uh, and going back to your dad, he's just a man, you know, like, and, to me, there's been kind of a, a war on masculinity for the last 20, 30 years, and that element seems to be missing more and more. Like people like yourself, people like myself, a bit of a dime breed, you know. And to be able to pass that on, uh, you know, and seeing your family now, you, you you got a just this picturesque family, but the way that you expose your daughters and your wife and everybody's involved, it just the way that you've approached all of this. I, I really have to commend you on that, man.
1: I appreciate it a ton. Thank you. It's funny you say masculinity. Cause I'm, I definitely walked the line as a hunter. I go tanning. I wear neon <laughs> tanning, so I'm as You do mature. have a
0: lovely bronze tent to you right now. I'm not <laughs> going to lie.
1: But I, I got the, I got the hunter in my heart for sure, man. I just like the weightlifting and bodybuilding side of things too. So I try to marry him. You know, there's nothing wrong with having more than one hobby. So
0: Absolutely. So I did have, when you mentioned how people maybe knock on you for not killing something on a particular video and whatnot, had a whole new respect. The, the IBEX uh, video when you were IBEX hunting, holy shit, man. Uh, That quest in general, it just, it blew my mind, but there was one part in particular where you were setting and you were self-filming but you were setting up for a shot and you had worked 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 your ass off right and you were finally in the position and you were about to to get a shot off and you had set everything up and then at the very last moment i think they winded you or something but you ended up not getting a a shot that you would have been able to take had you not been videoing right the composure after that Yeah. You you put your, your gear back up, you grabbed your camera and you kept journeying on. I like, that's what separates people like you. I mean, you're an absolute beast. The, just the, the mental capacity to be able to compartmentalize that I would like to be able to say that I would be in that same boat and and, you know, not at that level, but until you're there, you really don't know how you're going to react.
1: No, I hear you. I, I think at that time I was more, I think the video mattered to me more like the video was of equal import of, of importance as the trophy itself, because I feel like, you know, hunting stories are, we always say cool story, bud. You know, when someone comes home and they tell you a hunting story, but you didn't kill, it's like, Oh, cool story. Like who gives a <laughs> I'm tired of hunting stories without a kill. So at the end of the day, I'm like, well, if I can capture these experience and go back and show them the video, and instead of saying, well, you should have seen how close, I show them with the film. That's my favorite thing to do. I I still pride myself in in capturing animals on camera. I mean, to this day, I have just a phone full of videos of, of my spotting scope up in the high country of all these deer because maybe I didn't get an arrow in that deer. Maybe I didn't get to lay my hands on him. But if I have a video of him and I can share, hey, these are the days I almost got him. It's kind of just the taste of it. It might also sound like a cop out to some guys that are successful hunters and just saying, well, dude, you're, you're not killing them with your camera. Um, at the end of the day, like I feel like I kind of am, that's, it's all about the trophy to me and the video I forever. And you know, that quality film is there. Uh, but believe it or not, I did get burned out from filming. I, I, I uh, don't film my hunts hardly at all anymore. Um, for that exact reason, I I've gotten so intimate with some of these big bucks that I'm like, okay, I want the buck more than the footage now, uh, more than the, the, the YouTube views—it's kind of—I've kind of evolved, and so when I see a guy self-film, I—I I know what goes into it. I just watched my buddy Martin uh, Chagnovich; he shot a big Wyoming high country buck, and his video is self-filmed, and it's—it's it's a diary, you know, a lot of monologue talking to the camera, talking about how miserable he is, how lonely he is up there, and it's cool because it's just a nice journal entry that he can reference at any time in his life and show his kids. And so I, I love having the films for that purpose, and. And I went hard for five, six years, filmed like crazy. So I do have some really cool content there. And hell, I catch myself watching my own videos all the time. And uh, my wife or my mom will say, "Oh, you're such an egomaniac. You just want to watch yourself hunt." Like has nothing to do with me. I I want to relive that moment up for there. For sure. A wild time, you know. And I, I felt like I was good at capturing that and conveying that emotion uh, with about as, as little little talking as possible, you know. Back when I started filming, it was before the the vlogging and the selfie videos that guys do now. It was just clips, music, you know, let the narrate, let the story tell itself. Um, and the music creates the emotion and the tone and the intensity. And then just really clean cuts, edits, just making it almost like a, like a, just a clean, like a, a story without, without any type of words, you know?
0: Yeah, it Which was I- definitely, I caught myself, um, uh, is if you love hunting, if you love the outdoors, it really is easy to kind of lose yourself in those types of videos, particularly yours. Uh, so my wife and I, we got married a little over a year ago and for our honeymoon, we actually flew out to LA and, uh, had rented a sprinter van. So we drove from LA down to Joshua tree, um, stayed in Airbnb there and then left, went up through Arizona, up through Utah and ultimately ended up in Colorado but the time that we spent in utah i had absolutely no clue just how gorgeous that state was and so the different places that we stopped at whether it's zion national park or bryce canyon or any of these places when i watch your videos i'm like this deer, this is where he's spending his time this is where he's hunting if you never saw an animal i can't think of a a better place to just go through life
1: yeah yeah if you look at my old instagram i used to take pictures of caterpillars and leaves and rocks I mean, i'll just take a picture of a rock on the ground with a little <laughs> bit of color. and i mean just, it was emotional just beautiful country man there's the high country there's something about it you know it's just it's just awesome it really is
0: it is in just seeing the, the different animals just across the board that you've hunted you know, whether it's antelope, whether it's elk, uh, the Ibex out of all of those and you're hunting them with bow that that's the, to me, that is the differentiator. I mean, you're, you're up close and personal at that point. Like, so it, it I don't know if you coined the phrase bow hunting sucks, but you might as well have, you know, just talking about the different things, all the little things that can go wrong and just all the things that have to go right for you to be successful in that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And the bow hunting sucks thing is, you know, I, I'm with Hoyt archery and that's obviously a kind of controversial phrase because it can be taken the wrong way. But at the end of the day, like there's two types of people, there's two, there's the people that hunt, that bow hunt, but don't struggle with it. Like we do, especially physically. I mean, to hike at three in the morning up a, a, wind sl- a snowy, windy slope and, you know, chase stuff around with a bow, it seems ridiculous. It, it, does, it sucks. Bow hunting absolutely sucks. Yeah. Um, then there's the guys that just don't like me. So they say bow hunting doesn't suck because you said it sucks. But at the end of the day, if you hunt <laughs> the way I hunt and you say it doesn't suck, you suck, you're a damn liar because it yeah. sucks. It's a pain. <laughs> Every time I hunt, I say, dude, if I'd have had my gun, I would have smoked that deer. If I'd had my muzzleloader, that deer's dead. Well, it, you don't. So bow hunting sucks. It's just what it is. But that's why it's so awesome. Because nothing, nothing in life that doesn't suck it has any sort of value. You know, like yep. it's the net adjustment. It's that lowest of low to highest of high. That's where the emotional changes. I mean, killing stuff with your bow up there, especially. I mean, even when it works out, I'm usually shocked because it's like I can't believe it. everything just fell in place. You know, and People are like, well, what do you mean? Like, dude, (laughs) there's so many variables against you. That deer's up there 365 days a year, 24 seven on alert, getting chased. Everything's trying to kill him. He doesn't want to die. He knows the country better than you ever will. He's well, way more equipped with his ears, his sight, his sound, his feet. He can move so quick and navigate in those rocks. And he knows all the little trails to cut. I mean, to kill a deer in the high country with your bow on a general public tag, especially a big old bastard. That's mature and smart i'm telling you it's one of the coolest things out there you know it really is it's
0: well you have, on earth you have all the the natural defenses as far as smell sight and everything else that goes along with that but i firmly believe some of these older deer have a sixth sense like there's there's just times where there's no explanation where they'll just pull up at a certain spot and just be done you know when yep. everybody Deer is not alerted uh but that that one deer you know, spidey sense call it what the hell ever you want to call it but there's oh, some
1: spider sense too that's funny <laughs> uh, yeah
0: but there there's something right i'm not imagining that
1: yeah 100 i i don't think deer are smart And you know people say what do you mean they're not deer don't have a credit score they, they can't use an iphone they're not smart they're just loaded with instinct and experience right and like you said that sixth sense to me is I just think they notice something's off. That's all it is. Whether it's a smell, whether it's a glare off of your binos, they just say, that's not normal. Something. I don't feel good. Turn it around. Because, and for some reason, I think that it's just, the, it's that whole Darwinism theory of evolution. I just think the animals that are naturally ca- more cautious, live longer, reproduce more, and pass on that ki- that characteristic to other animals. Uh, because, you i've seen several 3-year-old big bucks get smoked that were dumber than hell and i'm like that deer's just not smart and that's why he got killed his headgear had nothing to do with his intellect you know or, or his or his instinct whereas you'll see bucks that are 7 or 8 years old that have tiny little racks on them but their their damn IQs are off the charts because they they just they're just way more cautious just like human beings there's people that are a little bit more reckless a little bit more outgoing a little bit little bit more carefree and other people that are way more reserved, whether it's investing or you know what I mean? Just in life in general, yeah. they, the adrenaline junkies don't relate with the guys that are, are scared and at home wearing their mask during COVID. You know?
0: <laughs> right. Man, personality- if this wasn't, if this wasn't a zoom video right now, I would high five you for that COVID <laughs> comment. No, joke, yeah. man. it's like, I feel like I'm living in a bad B movie.
1: <laughs> it's over, dude. I mean, I'm just, I'm done. I'm done. We, we, we're all good people. We care about our neighbors. We were all socially responsible. We all played along for a month or two or three or four or five and it's just enough is enough. The the, the thing is just not, it's not legit. It's all political. It's just, a, it's a, I'm sick of it. I'm, with I'm you. Ab- tired of it. Tired of it. Sick of it.
0: One hundred <laughs> and fifty thousand percent. And I don't want to step on too many toes. I know that there's people out there that are, genuinely scared and you know that that that's you know fine and all but something say that again
1: i just tell them you, you go ahead and stay home just don't tell me to that's you know, the that's the show. thing
0: like well, you, take, you okay. take care of you i'll take care of me you know like i don't have a problem if i if i came to the conclusion that it would behoove me to wear a mask i would do that Like if I, if I could see the the statistics and everything that more than somebody's opinion or somebody trying to scare the shit out of me, if I could see that and make the decision for myself, I'm I'm fine with that. But when it gets to the point to where you're telling me I have to do something, you know, that doesn't make sense to me, uh, I can't go along with that.
1: When our government's going through and they're, they're, they're subjectively choosing essential businesses and saying to hell with everyone else. That's the most un-American bullshit I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. For you to tell me what essential is, if I want to work out and it keeps me calm and it keeps my brain and my body in a state of peace, whereas, you know, locking me down in my house, I'd freak out or panic, you know I mean? (laughs) We all have our ways of coping, but my gym's essential to me. And how dare you tell me it's not essential when the state liquor store is open.
0: Yeah, for sure. Kiss
1: kiss my ass, man. (laughs) You can't you can't pick and choose and, and how do you how do you tell the gym owner that goes out of business that can't feed his family anymore that it's not essential it's like if the government just overstepped their bounds you nailed it earlier man let every person decide for themselves what they need to do to keep them and their family safe get the hell out of the way open things up you know what I mean it's well, just it's- and they,
0: they talk talking to both sides of their mouth too. Like in one sense, they're telling you that the gyms have to shut down. And then on the other hand, they tell you the better shape that you are, you know, the better off you are, to, you know, being they're, prepared if you were to get it.
1: Oh, they're all cowards. That's what it is. I haven't seen very, very few leaders with a spine where they're crumbling right now because they're trying to please everybody. And all they're doing is just pissing off both sides. Because like you said, they're playing the fence and it's, it right. doesn't work.
0: Well, doesn't and back to, ma- ma- back to masculinity. You know, yeah. like at the end of the day, uh, you know, and, and that's the thing. I think people have forgotten that we're all going to die someday. Something's going to take us out, you know, and you, every year you got tens of thousands of people dying of the flu. This has a, a over a 99% survival rate. You know, if you're not 80 or above or something crazy like that yet, like you were saying, people are losing businesses and people, you know, affected, more than I think a lot of people realize. It, it yeah, sucks, but I'm glad to hear you have that stance.
1: Yeah, it's hard not to, man. I mean, you look at the, the death rates, they're the same. They're ju- the same amount of deaths in the United States as this year, as last year. They're just renaming them COVID with other comorbidities. You know, people with diabetes or, or lung issues or cancer, they're all passing away, and that's totally unfortunate. But to label their death a COVID death just because they coincided with a, a political timed virus, it's – yeah it's just, you know, the death rate speaks themselves. The same amount of people are dying. They're just dying of a new thing. We're by reclassifying it. That's all it is.
0: Well, and every, every death, like somebody could be in a car accident, beheaded, test positive for COVID. It's chalked up as a, a COVID death.
1: Joe Biden made a comment on the debate. He says, we account for 4% of the world's population, but 25% of the COVID deaths. He's implying that our country is more susceptible. Our country, our healthcare system is inferior. No, our country is classifying other deaths with COVID hashtags on them so they can get compensation from the government. And that's the bottom line. There, there's no other motive for mislabeling or mischaracterizing a death than, than the, the, the financial implications that are coming from the money that our federal government is printing and giving out to everybody so that our kids have to pay it back. It's yeah, just the printing, a big problem, dude big old scam. Yeah. I'm, done. I'm done being quiet about it. Cause I'm, I'm getting, I'm just getting sick of it. I'm sick. I'm sick of it. I'm just yeah, well, done
0: with it. We need more people like yourself with the platform. And that's the thing to me nowadays it's refreshing. There's nobody that has anything to lose willing to take any type of stance. And to me, all it would take would be a couple of dominoes falling the right way to totally change that dynamic.
1: Yep. A couple of business owners just stick, sticking together saying they can't arrest all of us. We're opening up, you know, and the, the government's going to have to back down when the whole country says to hell with it. You know, it's it's just, it is what it is.
0: It, yeah, it, it's it's disappointing uh, it, just uh, just to see the level of brainwashing that, that goes along with it. And uh, it sucks. Yep. It sucks for us particularly we uh we did our first trade show the iowa deer classic uh back right as the everything was was hitting you know first part of march yeah. um, we go up to iowa nobody knows who the hell we are we go in and by the by the time the weekend was over like we had established ourselves like that whole trade show was kind of our litmus test as far as you know do we have something here so we leave it just you know. High on life and had scheduled a number of trade shows the rest of the year, but it was kind of our platform and it, you know, our diving board we were jumping off of. And then all of a sudden, all the trade shows are going away. Like it, all the momentum that we had built to that point was just gone and for no damn reason.
1: No, that's a bummer. Poor timing, you know, and some people have capitalized on it. I'm in the mortgage business, interest rates are historic right now. I work remotely, so it hasn't phased me. We own a, our family, we own a daycare. It's been deemed essential, so we haven't lost any income with that. And We've been very fortunate. So for me to even be emotional about this, it shows you how much like, because I'm very disconnected. I, our family hasn't been affected directly. I don't know a single person that has suffered from COVID. I, I know a few people. I don't know one that suffered. I know two people yeah. that had, that were, um, that had no signs, no whatsoever. You know, there were zero symptoms, nothing uh, asymptomatic, I guess. But as far as just the, my direct com- contact with it, nothing. It's now I'm just tired of seeing other people going through hard times and I'm tired of being inconvenienced and I'm tired of my two-year-old being raised in this society with masks. And she's not seeing that smiling faces, the meta-verbal communication. I saw my two-year-old on the airplane the other day and it broke my heart. She's wearing a mask. She looked like it. It just looked so, so ridiculous to me. I got, I got worked up about it. I mean, she's just a baby. And she's sitting there in her mom's arms with the freaking mask on.
0: Well, To me, that's, that's the scary part about it. Like that, that is her introduction to life. Like they say, between the ages of four to seven, that's when you're building the building blocks of the human brain. And essentially they say what one generation resists, the next generation will accept. So it gets my mind thinking, you know, down the road, I can't help but believe this is laying the groundwork for other things you know, in the future. And it it starts to think that way.
1: Imagine if there was a real pandemic where there was actually a lot of people affected and it really was, you know, as catastrophic as they try to present it. You know, that would be different. I mean, this is nothing. And look what they've been able to push.
0: My, uh, I had a cousin of mine a couple of weeks ago uh, actually get diagnosed with COVID, and um, just talking to him, he said that he had you know gotten a fever and chills and all that good stuff, and then the next day he felt pretty good, but he decided you know his wife's pregnant, so he decided to go get tested, and it came back positive, but he said the flu kicked his ass way much worse than this virus did, and yeah. imagine. Any given flu season since we've been alive, I don't know how. I just turned forty. I'm an old man. But any given flu season since we've been alive, imagine if they had reported every diagnosed flu case. Like if if every oh we we've got we've got thirty cases in Dalton, Georgia since yesterday. You know, shut,
1: shut her down. Shut her down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: it's just it's it's ridiculous. But yeah, I I truly. I truly appreciate you having, uh, cause it's one, it's one thing for me to come out. I'm nobody, you know, I have, you know, at this point, zero following. It's one thing for me to come out and, you know, show some disdain about it, but with you and the platform that you've got and hell, I've got your, uh, profile pulled up here now on summit, you're on the pro staff or Hoyt mountain ops f-bomb loophole first light latspin sun spot hog back is, XO mountain gear and if you play right potentially horny deer sense one day we'll we'll, we'll circle back but what i'm saying is we need more people like yourself that cause it like they i'll be honest i actually got into it uh, i'm not going to name the hunting personality but it's a, a a pretty well-known company within you know the outdoor world, but they started producing camouflage masks and it just pissed me off. And I uh, actually got into a bit of a Twitter exchange with a guy, but I'm telling him like, you know, this is bullshit and you're just feeding it. Like you are wow. not Great. doing your part.
1: Great point. Hunter, I totally see it. And I, I would have rocked a camo mask because at the end of the day, you know, people say, well, just don't go to businesses that, you know, make you wear a mask. At the end of the day, like I don't give a shit that much that I'm not going to go to Costco to get my, my, my meat. That's where, I, you know what I mean? Like I'm the guy, I'm not going to be inconvenienced beyond the mask, but that's a great point. You know, I didn't even think of that.
0: Well, really, is, to I me, it's, up- it's feeding that hysteria, you know, because if you're in that position and you're like, uh, so we're going to accommodate and produce masks, it's almost like you're accepting and buying the narrative yeah. And they they might not have, they might not have thought about it that way, but that was the way that it hit me. Uh, but no, I, I really appreciate you, uh, just being open and honest about how you feel about it.
1: Yeah, no, no problem, man. I, I don't shy away from it. At the end of the day, I don't feel there's anything wrong about being honest about how I feel. (laughs) It's not wrong to me. So,
0: Absolutely. Uh, so I guess we, we got off topic just a little, but I feel like if we were going to get off topic, that's a very good place to, to get yep. off topic.
1: Sure, It's totally relevant. No problem.
0: This episode of the Horny Deer Sense podcast is brought to you by AccuFIRE Technologies. Now, if you're not familiar with AccuFIRE, you definitely need to check these guys out. They're known for their Noctis V1 HD day and night infrared digital rifle scope. The scope is is absolutely ridiculous. Probably my favorite part of it is the display. It's not like a traditional scope. It it almost looks like a mini television screen. But even outside of the day-night vision capabilities, with the mini SD card, you can record audio and sound directly onto the scope. So you can video your hunts that way. You can actually stream that to your phone as well. There's just too much to cover, but you can check these guys out at www.acufiretech.com. Um, so getting back into the, the hunting a little bit, you've taken out a number of game, you, you you've just been in the depths of this since you were, were born. Is there a particular, cause we really like hunting stories. Is there a particular situation, a particular hunt specifically that comes to mind when you think about your, I guess your most rewarding, maybe most challenging hunt that you've been on?
1: Yeah, I did a, I did a video series called Archers Educated, and it's pretty much just my high country mule deer hunting over the last five or six years in Utah, and each year I would just tell the story of that hunt, and it would continue to grow and play off the year before because you'd see the same bucks that grew up and... Kind of tried to convey what it's all about to me. Uh, my season five year, I killed a a, a really really big buck um, that I thought was over 190 as I would scouted him. And uh, did that that video just tells the tale, man. I of, of the ups and downs and the highs and the lows. And I my new wife was involved with me in that hunt, so it's a big video for for me to you know share with her. It was it was just epic. It it pretty much sums up my bow hunting and you could watch that video right there. And if you like that, you're you, you and I are buds. If you don't, then so be it. You know, that's, that's like, that like sums me up that video. It's archers educated season five. That's my, without a doubt. Yeah. My stamp. So. So,
0: and that's a, a, a I guess bringing your, your wife into it and seeing how, uh, cause I, you can't help but notice and especially, you know, being, uh, I'm on my second marriage, so I'm trying to get this one right, <laughs> but to, to see the way that, uh, she supports you and actually jumps into that type of lifestyle, was she exposed to just that type of lifestyle before you guys connected or was that something that you brought her into?
1: No, excuse me. Um, actually she's my, I'm, we're both on separate marriages as well. I'm the same age as you are. Um, my first marriage, I wasn't as into hunting time wise as I became over time, just because of the way my business structured, I had more, more, uh, discretionary time, time for myself in the falls. I started hunting more and more and more. And my first wife was supportive of it, but I think I took it too far. Um, and so when we, we parted ways, uh, going forward i knew that whoever i dated would have to understand like you know when people say they're a hunter that's very very subjective i mean there's there's degrees of hunters you know i mean you got the guy that buys the orange vest and hunts one weekend a year and gets drunk on saturday night and that's it or you got the guys like us that are hunting in march for the shed horns all the way through february watching the deer before they shed you know we don't ever stop so my new uh my wife rocky uh, when we started dating, she had been hunting before, but nothing like I had, uh, you know, the, not at not the level that I take it. And so that whole first summer we dated, we went on backpacking trips and she got to set up cameras and she got to see me, you know, fall on my face and fail and see how hard I went and she got to struggle. And our second year, uh, we got married that year. And then the next year, hunting, we both killed some really big animals. She killed a huge 200 inch mule deer her That's first awesome. year. Yeah, just a giant. I have a great video of that one. Um, she killed a huge coos whitetail in southern Arizona. She killed a black bear that's damn near Boone and Crockett. Um, she had a lot of fun, and she's a she's a killer, but she's also a mommy, and we had a baby, and she's, she's prioritized the way she should, and that's the priority. And so even going hunting overnight for her is tricky because our two-year-old's her life and her world, and that's fine, you know. She'll, she'll come back around when the babies are, you know, old enough to go with grandma for the weekend or whatever. But right now she's put the babies first and that's, that's awesome. You know?
0: Yeah, that is awesome. So out of, out of the babies and you've got a, you've got a lot of estrogen in your house. Yeah. Uh, You're (laughs) a lot of estrogen out of your daughters. Is there one that sticks out now that's going to carry that predator torch more, more so just kind of takes to it?
1: You know, they, they all did it at, at one point. Uh, I don't think they have the passion. And it's I, I took them out, uh, you know, when they were 9 or 10. They've all hunted. Their, their stepdad's an awesome guy. He's a big hunter, too. So he actually takes some hunting more than me because they're down in Arizona with them. Uh, but I've gotten them all exposed to it, and I think they like the attention. They like the daddy time. They like going to get the camo and camping with Dad, and they like that. I don't think they're cold-blooded predators <laughs> like a little boy might be. Um, there's an Aldo Loophole quote that says, and I'm going to massacre it, but it says something like, I would not like to be, I would not like to be the father of a boy whose hair doesn't raise his hat when he sees his first deer.
0: Oh, I really like that.
1: Yeah. If, if if I got a kid that doesn't get excited seeing a deer, I don't want the kid, you know? <laughs>
0: uh,
1: that's, to this day, I've never given binos to a little boy. Even if he's a city boy, never seen a deer in his life. As human beings, you see a deer in binoculars. You instantly, the hair on your neck stands up, and you just go into mode. Now, do you think about savagely killing and butchering that deer? No, never. But to say you're not excited and absolutely captivated by it would be total. Would be a lie.
0: No, with it? You.
1: you could pull someone out of Wall Street, Manhattan, and take them in the mountains and give them binoculars, and they saw a bugling bull elk. I guarantee you, no matter who they are, no matter what their history is, they would be impressed. Because oh, yeah it's innate it's we might have suppressed those feelings um, we might have forgotten those feelings but when you relight that that when you relight that fuse it's just part of humanity we are providers those animals provide food for us they provide uh, a challenge they tr- provide a conquest they provide clothing and warmth in the sense of their of their hides i mean as an evolutionary character they play a role in our survival and it's impossible to unplug that microchip. It's in there. It's just suppressed. It's in there. Yep.
0: Yeah, well, go to Estes park in Colorado. Anytime you see a herd of elk. Yeah. You've got, uh, you know, people are
1: captivated
0: across yeah. nationalities, across gender.
1: They're out there with their phones, you know, it's, yeah. Look at the tourism in Yellowstone. Those, they're going up there to see a bunch of animals, you know, it's, it's just, it's humans. Humans are fascinated with nature. It's because part of our survival. It's just it's in there,
0: and I think that's the the primal part that I had gotten away from. Uh, like you talk about uh, your wife and you know how how accommodating she's been and everything. So when I met my wife, uh, I was very much uh, engulfed in the more more the corporate world, uh, sports jackets and such. And she actually made the comment to me that she was glad that, you know, I wasn't a big, <laughs> big hunter. And, uh, and at the time I wasn't, you know, and it looking back, it, it's hard to see how you, you get in certain places in life, but I ultimately ended up moving back close to where I grew up. And the more that I was here the more that I was removed from the concrete, the traffic and everything else, the more I started, you know, gravitating more toward the things that I used to be into and then God you know, bless her heart. And it's uh what we say down here in South. But bless her heart. It goes from not hunting at all to, you know, back in that very real obsessed mode. But she's been, she's been really cool about it to her whole family. Uh, this particular area, you know, a lot of people hunt and stuff and her family does. So it's it, nothing that she wasn't accustomed to, but right. a little different situation than what you guys were getting into. Yeah. Zach. I've kept you actually a little longer than I had planned on just knowing how busy, cause I know, you know, you've got your summit productions and everything that, that you do from a hunting perspective, but you know, watching your YouTube channel, I did know, you know, that that wasn't all that you did. Uh, then you throw on top the, uh, workout regimen. And I'll be honest with you. You're one of those types of people that, uh, people like me look at and, think I've wasted a lot of my life. <laughs> you, you just get so much out of every day. And, uh, it's been really impressive to, to get to know you through video and I've really enjoyed getting to spend some time with you and just really appreciate you carving this time out to come hang out for the second episode of the Horny Deer Sense Podcast.
1: No, man, that means a lot to me. I really appreciate it. I, I don't try to do these things to impress people. i just, Again, my dad, man, just wake up early. It's part of life. You get shit done. You know that's just what you do. We uh, we grew up with that. You, you, we wanted to go duck hunting on Saturday. That meant my dad, no matter what, would find a project for us to do every night of the week until Friday night, so that we could show to him that we deserve to go duck hunting. And it's just been my life. I mean, everything about it. And I, I'm definitely a very habitual regiment person. And if I train early and eat a certain way and get certain things done, and I get through the day and said, "Wow, that was a great day." Then I replicate it the next day. I do the exact same thing, but maybe a little harder. And I've just evolved to just trying to be efficient and effective with my time. And I, I'm a little bit OCD, a little bit neurotic, I think. But uh, I don't think you're a
0: little it, bit. I think it's <laughs> <not be> a, <laughs> yeah, <a> <laughs> i yeah.
1: I kind of t- I tend to walk the, the extremes on everything I'm really into, but you know, it's it's just how I am. So I appreciate you for recognizing. That. It's not really my goal to go out and make you feel inferior and it's not bad at all well, you'd probably beat my ass at night other things you know
0: i wouldn't say feel inferior so much as uh you just recognize i, I think the right mindset you recognize ways that you can get better uh, sure. i i don't you know have anything for a defeatist type uh you know, victim type of attitude no, <laughs> i'm not
1: yeah. very competitive.
0: exactly not very compassionate from that standpoint but when i see somebody like yourself you know i I think if you've if you've got anything about yourself you cannot not you re-examine ways that you can be better and uh watching you know, going through your videos watching you know uh just throughout you know the year the things that you post on instagram and whatnot uh the positivity that is wrapped around everything that you do. Uh, I think it's just great for the sport. Um, you know, the fact that you're afraid to, or not afraid to speak up on issues that just makes me a bigger fan. So, uh, yeah, I hope we can connect again. Uh, this is the second one. So I'm still getting my, my podcast feet wet a little bit, but no. hopefully we can reconnect and do it all over again.
1: Also, absolutely, man. I really appreciate the opportunity and wish you the best for sure
0: all right we appreciate it zach i'm gonna go ahead and cut her off here but thanks again for taking the time man
1: you buddy you too man take care
0: all right episode number two of the horny deer sense podcast i hope you enjoyed it i certainly enjoyed getting to spend some time with zach um Big, big thanks to him for even taking the time to do this. You know, we're on our second episode and probably, just to be honest, had no business speaking with Zach at this point. But you know, he, he could have big-timed us, but he didn't. He took time out of his schedule to come hang out with us. If, uh, if you want to look up Zach, his website is ZachGriffith.com, Z-A-C-Griffith.com. He's also got a great YouTube channel. You can check out some of the videos that he and I were referencing. And, you know, if you're enjoying the podcast, hopefully you are, but if you are uh, and don't mind, let somebody know about it and we'll try to keep this thing rolling. Thanks.